Welcome, everyone, to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. My name is Matt, and joining me as always is Pete. Hello, Pete. Hey, everybody. This is Pete, and I want to let you know that I have a plan of attack. Attack. Uh, excellent. We are, of course, today talking about the uh, movie Avengers. Pete, this is going to be a slightly different kind of episode. You and I do have a sponsor. Oh, I, my goodness, I can't believe I jumped in front of you. The famous, the famous sponsor segment. I do apologize. I hope I haven't cost us uh, re-up from this sponsor in future weeks. Pete, who is our sponsor this week? Today's episode is brought to us by the good people at Ruby Tuesdays, who actually hosted us after our screening of The Avengers, along with PH Geek uh, alumni, uh, JPR and Jackie. And what you will uh, hear in a couple minutes after we're done introducing will be a flashback to our reactions after having seen Avengers. It was the opening weekend. We saw it on the Saturday and uh, we sat there in the Ruby Tuesday phone recording us. Um, it's definitely a different kind of vibe. I, I rather enjoyed it, Pete. I think it's, uh, it, it's a good, uh, it'll be a good episode for people to listen to just in terms of A, the extra voices, and B, it's kind of this um, fly-on-the-wall, round-table uh, discussion, you know, perhaps a bit less, uh, a bit less formal than our, than our normal Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast framework, but good fun nonetheless. It's particularly vindicating for myself in that I threw down the gauntlet that this was the greatest comic book movie of all time. And it has since been acknowledged in just about every corner of our universe to be that. So I just want to say, go me. All right. Well, Pete, without any further ado, shall we flash back to uh, to that Saturday from opening weekend for Avengers? <laughs> So here we are, mere minutes after seeing Avengers opening weekend, and uh, well, I think we should have uh, Justin, our own Tony Stark, start with his thoughts first. I okay. Um, it was good popcorn movie. It was good action. The story was not nearly as good as some of the individual ones. Uh, I think Captain America is probably like the best of the whole series if we're going to you know have all the feeder films that go into this one uh, included in there I didn't think the story was terrific I mean it was an origin story of the team getting them together they even play with that at the end they're like what was the purpose of all this and uh, what's our life lesson (laughs) yeah so and you know the purpose was to get them all together and you know the action was great but story wise I wouldn't say I was disappointed because I didn't really go in expecting much but of some of the other films, Captain America coming to mind, and you know some of the other superhero movies like Spider-Man movies, like the first two Spider-Mans and obviously the two Christopher Nolan Batmans, not on par with it story-wise, but you know a fun movie nonetheless, gang. <laughs> Jackie, you are a listener favorite, especially for those West Coast types. You are also our Black Widow. What did you think? I liked it. I had not seen a lot of the individual stories. Um, I saw Captain America, and I did like that a lot. Um, I'm interested, especially, to see go back now and see the other ones, um, especially the Hulk and uh, Iron Man, because I particularly enjoyed those characters. But, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I don't think you really needed to know a lot about the characters in order to follow it, being as, like I said, I didn't really know the origin stories that much, and it really did not um, you know, ruin the movie for me at all. So I really enjoyed it. Pete, you bleed red, white, and blue. You are our Captain America. What were your thoughts? 
Uh, I think as an undertaking, it really was pretty impressive. You know, Justin mentioned before, you know, you get the four. I, I like the term feeder flicks. And, um, you know, that, mm-hmm. that they were able to accomplish such a thing. I mean, I agree, again, that, okay, the scripts and, you know, the overall films for those other comic book franchises are pretty good, but I, I feel pretty comfortable saying right now that it's probably, given everything they attempted and pulled off, currently the greatest comic book movie of all time. Wait, wait, you just called it the greatest comic book movie of all time? I pulled a Justin there and I tuned out. I did. I you think it's better than all those, like, you think it's better than Captain America and better than the in first term, Iron Man? Of ter- in terms of its ambition and, and what it did, yes. Do we have the first Iron Man? Yeah. Yes! I'm but, watching that tonight. But it's like, I don't know, I thought the story, the Captain America thing, even just that transition when he's doing the USO shows and all that, I thought that was, that had so much more heart, it was so much more compelling. Captain America was Then, you know, this was, you know, this was a summer blockbuster of... Let's get all the actors and the, you know, the action scenes in there, and you know, and it definitely succeeded with that. I just don't think it had the character development and the heart. I, I think Loki was that interesting. To be honest with you, for a villain, I am. I mean, he's afraid of like his brother. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, think I don't know. Was... He just didn't strike me as. I don't know. I think Loki kind of was a means to an end. Like, you need to have somebody who can bring a big, giant thing. Which, oh, by the way, and if anybody doesn't know, we're rolling 100% spoiler spoiler here. Um, I thought of another Marvel movie um, when the big, giant Tesseract laser shot up into the sky and opened up a portal. How about Marvel's own Howard the Duck were in the movie? There was a big, giant laser that opened up a portal and giant monsters came through. There you go. I know that uh, a lot of the buzz I read online singled out. Which one are you? Captain America. Oh, sorry. Look, that works out well. Can I ask a question? Sure. Is Black Widow an actual character? Yes. Too bad. How come there was no Wasp? How come no Ant-Man or Wasp? They are making an Ant-Man movie. They're working on it. Yeah, I understand that, but the original... Avengers. Well, I had Wasp, too. How come no Well, Wasp? the original Avengers are... You could just easily give a like, Iron Wasp. Man, Thor, the Hulk, kind of, because they fight him for the first three issues, Ant-Man and Wasp. Ant-Man, a.k.a. Ant-Man slash Giant Man, who has the magical powers to be both. And when I mean say magical powers, I mean he pops a pill to become both. Um... Now, and what is Wasp? That's surely not quite Anglo-Saxon. No, it's a, it's a girl. I mean, like, it's literally a Wasp costume. I mean, even if... I feel like even if you were to do her, you would have did her the same way. You would have made her, like, the same type of character to pull her Wasp well, instead of Wasp. But here's Black the thing. Widow. What they did so, was... They took a later incar- incarnation of the Avengers. You know, with the later incarnation, we'll have uh, Black Panther and a myriad of other characters. But... They didn't go to, like, I know what Jackie's saying, they didn't go to the original core group. They kind of almost did, like, a best of the group and started there. Where, granted, maybe in this slam-bang CG world we live in, Ant-Man and Wasp might not be the most sexy characters for the movie-going audience. 
where, you know, Hawkeye, certainly. And I call that ship, by the way. I knew one of them was going to be... You always have to have the one guy that is the that starts out as the bad guy mm-hmm. and then becomes the good guy. You always have to have the, the one redemption prodigal son story in there in all these movies. Well, to answer the earlier question, I am Matt and I am the Hulk. And speaking of uh, slowly growing, pulsing members, Scarlett Johansson, fantastic to see her. I know, I, did you guys, um, I thought it was a little weird in the one scene where she's talking to Loki in the Hulk prison. Straight up butt shot. Whenever there was the butt shot, there was, I, I found that there was no sound at all. It was just butt shot and no dialogue and no nothing else. I can only just, just hear the, the sound of my own heart racing. Her butt was actually listed in the credits. Which, by the way, stay through. Not just the, yeah. what did you call them, the swirly credits? There's these swirly interesting credits that everybody's supposed to sit through of close-ups of the outfit and Parif- the, paraphernalia. the paraphernalia. It's like the Hard Rock Cafe of credits. <laughs> and that's just a fake-out for the actual real post-credit sequence, which is, I think we can all agree, is sublime. Yes, we're actually reenacting it right now, sort of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, that's right, the Avengers podcast in the... Uh, <laughs> I've read a lot of stuff online. The people have singled out the Hulk as a favorite character from this. Maybe because it was kind of like, I don't know. The Ed Norton Hulk is good. It's not great. I gotta say, though, I, and even before, I might be a little bit biased, but even before I've seen this movie... I like Mark Ruffalo like a lot. Oh, I do too. I've seen yeah. him. I even, yeah. even ask because who is that? Like I couldn't place him. The last time I saw him was Miss Congeniality. So, no, I've seen him before. Um, I do. I like him a lot. Like I liked him a lot in Zodiac. I've liked him in a lot of stuff he does. Um, yeah, I mean, I just like Mark Ruffalo's vibe. I think he brought a lot to the character that the other actors that have portrayed the Hulk, even the one. Who was this Hulk? And Norton, you know, leading up into this movie. I think Mark Ruffalo did an awesome job. Wait, I'm we sorry, were... did you say that he portrayed a lot of vulnerability, or was that me talking to myself and being completely serious? No, is he talking to yourself? Okay. Yeah, I did not say that. <laughs> I like that he had a sense of vulnerability in all seriousness. Yeah. Um, more so than Ed Norton, who kind of portrayed it as, like, pain. Well, let's go, let's kind of go... Beat by beat here, almost. Okay. The, uh, what did you guys... There's a slow rollout of the characters. Maybe it takes 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. For what? Thor, even longer. Thor yeah. doesn't show up in the Was first hour. Was like, first hour, yeah. I had a little bit of a hard time with... Okay, let me remember where the, where the... What's the matter? I thought you, said, I thought you were going hard on. <laughs> well, that too, but anyway. <laughs> a little bit of a hard time with the Tesseract immediately. Like, what is going on with that? Which one was that in? Because I had seen... I saw them out of order. Um, yeah, and I mean, it's it's kind of a Captain America thing, but it originates from Thor's realm, so right. there's there's the confusion there. I got right. You know, and, and trying to figure out, all right, what is that, and, you know, setting it where they're in the beginning with, you know, this Dark Matter Institute and all that. And, you know, again, what I'm, why I'm calling it, you know, the greatest incarnation of a comic book movie ever is all the work it took to get to this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, to get but, the payoff. But, but is that really the important part? I mean, it's, are we rewarding the destination because of the journey? Um you know what well, I mean? Appreciating I mean, those other works. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But as a 
as a movie itself, this is not the greatest comic movie I've ever seen. I understand as like an undertaking, as a project, maybe this project is the most ambitious, that you're going to have all these movies feed into one, and now we're going to go off to individual sequels, and then they're going to come back for another Avengers movie, and we're going to be doing this for, for 10 years. That's ambitious. That's something the other movies don't have. But as a standalone movie, I don't think it stacks up to the first Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie. I don't think it stacks up to The Dark Knight. Doesn't stack up to Spider-Man 2. That does not. I mean, to me, the top comic book movie is X2, and that's, nothing can touch see, that. See, and that's the distinction I want to draw. A superhero movie versus a comic book movie. Uh, you're going to have to define, because they're all comic books. They all derive from, from the brain of one man and the pen of Jack Kirby, so... So I'd like to hear your... Hear your thoughts. Well, yeah. just in terms of it being a group rather than the one superhero, um, you know, referring before to the X Men movies, and a lot of people credit X Men Two being, you know, that greatest comic book movie of all time. I didn't really enjoy it as much as you. X Two. Yeah. But go ahead. I didn't enjoy X Two all that much at all. I like the first X Men better this, than that. When, when Pete's done, I'll defend X Two. Okay, go ahead. I think go ahead, this easily surpasses those other efforts. I guess now I'll defend X Two. Yeah, all right, well, here's here's what X Two has going for it. Uh, I think some of it I, that I can argue um, from a literary point of view. Others just kind of you know personal, whatever. First of all, saw it midnight show opening night, packed theater with a bunch of people who, you know, quote-unquote, got it. Like, it was to- it's one of the few times that and the South Park movie opening night is the only time that it's been a reaction to a movie like it's a stage show. For example, there's the one scene where um, somebody, because there's an explosion or something, somebody falls, I think it's Rogue, falls out of the Blackbird, and it's like, oh, no, what's going to happen? And then, what's the um, Alan Cumming shapeshifter guy? Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler just goes... Boom, gets her. Boom, back in there, and everybody just like cheers. Yeah, he, he, maybe, there's that. Yeah. Then there's the story point that to me is going to do the coming out of the closet yes, thing. I know he's done this on <laughs> podcast before. But I have. Right? That's why well, it's such an important movie because at the at the literal center of the movie is pa- is Iceman coming out to his parents. So it's a movie he, that's about something I, in a way that others aren't. I but and I but to me that's what takes me out of it. I don't like X Men has always from the comic books to the movies and and it's, it seems like it's been a little up its own where it's like X-Men is about something it's about you know the minorities being oppressed by whatever and it's about you know like you're saying the, the coming out of the closet and the and all the and sometimes you like your comic book movies to just be about superheroes being yeah. the shit the bad guys. I want a cigar to be a cigar, and, and I, this and, was and a cigar. Me, this was and, a cohiba. And to and to you know look at what happened with the, the third X Men movie. It was a monumental failure because it tried to be too much of this deep whatever. It tried to tell a story, and to me. That's where X-Men lost me as a kid. I read comic books as a kid. I liked reading, you know, Batman, all this stuff. And then I made the mistake of reading the uh, the Dark Phoenix saga in a graphic novel form. And, you know, as an eight-year-old, I was lost beyond belief, and it actually got me out of comic books for a long time because I was like, this was god-awful terrible. I wanted to see Wolverine, you know, Snick Snick, 
kicking some ass. <laughs> and it was Sick. all like, okay, uh, the Hellfire Club's like somehow behind this, but there's really aliens behind this, and they're manipulating, uh, you know, Phoenix. To, and it's like, dude, there was way too much going on, and you know, it lost me. And it's been fun to go back in the lead up to this movie coming out. I went to your comic book store on Nine there, Pete. And I've been reading, uh, you know, the old issues of. I got two graphic novels. I got the, uh, I got the Marvel first of the '60s, which all the origin stories of Iron Man and Hulk and all these uh, origin mm-hmm. issues reprinted. And then I got the uh, first volume of the Avengers one, which had, you know, the first ten issues there. Mm-hmm. And you know, it really was cool to go back and. and just the campiness of it with Stan Lee and you know and not that we don't like our stuff to be about something we do no I don't I don't like to think you know we we know who all these guys are so we don't need to call out and alright this one comes from here and this one comes from there you know and we can which by the way they do do a good job in this movie of catching you up they're like uh-huh. they do a nice flashback scene with Captain America yep. they mention the Thor thing you know they were like Loki Thor's brother? Like, okay, right. great. Everybody, everybody right. caught up? Now, great. All right. But that they can give them the respect they demand at the same time we've been able to go through their entire stories and now get them all together. And I'm interested to see how it plays out from here. You know, can they keep this together? And, and that's the, the challenge they have from here on out. Matt, you quoted the James Bond formula that they're talking and, you know, do we already know the beginning of the end? Do we know that... Don't death- they have Chris Evans booked through, like, his death, right, at this point? Is he booked, like, seven Actually, his people? corpse will uh, appear in uh, Captain America 14. Z- zombie Captain America. <laughs> yeah, well... It was something ridiculous. Like, when they signed him to play Captain America, they signed him for seven movies. Yeah, but yeah they, they, book, they book these people well down the road. I think the point of... It was somebody from Marvel Studios made the comment this week that, you know... If Robert Downey Jr., because I think he's probably, well, he's obviously the biggest star from the bunch, but if the time comes where he doesn't want to do it, or I think the implicit threat was, you're asking for too much money or whatever, then, yeah, they're too deep in the network, not the network, they're too deep in the Marvel movie universe at this point to reboot, that you're going to have to do a James Bond, and you're going to have to say, you know, Hey, look who's the new, you know, Tony Stark that we're not going to make right. any comment about at all right. in the movies. Um, and I have a colossal problem with that because there's no doubt they're going to be making money hand over fist. How many gold toilets do you need? You know, you come to an understanding with him on what it takes to get back because for me, he sold the movie. Yeah. He's the guy with the lines, he's, you know, the fan favorite. I mean, say what you want about Hulk, and, and I agree, he had great stuff, you know, <clears throat> but you're, you know you're going to get the snarkiness out of, you know, Tony Snark, Tony Snark, there you go, <laughs> okay. That was choked. And that's what it's about. They are the best lines in the movie, and you cannot imagine somebody else playing them. No. I agree, but let's say this, what if he says, you know what? When my Marvel contract is up, I want to go do Shakespeare in the Park for the rest of my career. Well, you find a way to bring it back. Well, not everybody has your tenacity. Bottom line speaks the loudest. Well, how about this then? As a company policy, to be prepared 
if necessary, to replace these people, James Bond style, as opposed to reboot style. So who do you get to replace Bob Downey? Who's your, who, who can fill in? Right, I agree with Pete. Right now, nobody can fill in. I'm just saying, let's look, what actor has comparable chops that can play smarmy? You need somebody who's going to be 40 and you know, who's like mid-30s now. If you're saying who it is, I'm saying you need to cast somebody who's going to be early 40s in five, eight years. Right. So who is that? I don't know. Yeah. Get your boy, Pete. Get Ashton Kutcher. There you go. Yeah. Uh, that would drive me in another direction. No, they wouldn't do it. It doesn't fit the type. But I'm, it's Jim. I guess we're sad. I'd rather have the half man from two and a half men. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't they all men, though? Um, let's see what else is there to say. Requisite Stanley cameo. Right. And I, I thought we'd see him somewhere on the redundant aircraft carrier that can fly. Yeah, I'm not sure how I feel. I give them points for... How do I put this? Look, all these comic book movies come back to the line from X-Men, what'd you expect, yellow spandex? Like, that's the big thing that you need to... You right. can't ever have yellow spandex, but you need to acknowledge that it's out there. Right. The flying aircraft carrier... I'm not sure how I feel about that. I almost feel like it would have been cool if they had an actual aircraft carrier in the Atlantic and just committed to the fact that, you know what, if something goes down in Hong Kong, eh, you know what, there's a god of thunder and a robot man who flies. Like, right. we don't need to question it too deeply. <laughs> I mean, I, I bought into it, you know. from When you first see it, you're like, that doesn't look like any aircraft carrier I've ever seen. And then, of course, you know... <laughs> it has two full decks. Yeah, it, you know, it's got bi-levels. It's, it's a split ranch, you know, yeah. of, a, of an aircraft carrier. You know, and, and that was interesting. <clears throat> I felt that there was a middle portion of about 25 minutes of the movie that kind of stalled a little bit. And it was around the time that they were on the aircraft carrier and they were, you know, trying to get to the bottom of, all right, what's the larger end game going on with Loki and everything there? Yeah, I agree. It was a little slow. What part? I'm sorry. Towards the, right the middle right of the movie. the aircraft carrier just, like, explodes and, like, you have all that action. Yeah. No, there were parts of this movie that definitely dragged. That's why, you know, as a whole movie, I don't think we can consider it the best ever because there were parts that were like alright enough exposition now let's let's see some smash well I have a question now for Jackie how did you take the role of Black Widow did you feel the tokenism do you want there to be more female characters next time what did you think of Sexy Mix Sexy Pants who was the the new Nick Fury helper outer and then after that I think we, we gotta talk about hubba, hubba. something where I actually fall a little choked up we'll get to that in a moment Jackie your thoughts I actually like the the right hand woman of Nick Fury I thought she should have had a better part I liked her better than Scarlett Johansson I'm not I think Scarlett Johansson did a good job I'm just not a Scarlett Johansson fan in general um, but I thought it was fine I mean I usually don't like 
like the female characters that much. Like I just not like that. Like oh look, there's the female character, so I'm gonna like you know I'm not. The, I wasn't the girl who played like Chun Li and like all those Street Fighters just because <laughs> she was the only girl. Anyway, that's my take. Is that I could I mean you could have had her there, not had her hair there, and I don't think it would have made a difference. I don't think. Well, I guess she stopped the thing at the end, but I think any one of them could have possibly pulled. They could have put somebody else in there. To... I don't really think she moved the story along, and I think it's always pretentious to kind of have like that sexy female who would beat up everybody and it's kind of like snarky. It's like give me a break. The big but, story this week was Scarlett Johansson coming out and saying, I'm not a sex symbol, you know, I feel I'm dorky, I'm gangly, whatever it is. And She was awesome looking. And the other chick was good looking, yeah. Agent Hill, I believe, was the other one. Agent Henry Hill, yes. <laughs> um, Come on, Henry. Report that you choked up. Um, I would have to say, the only surprising thing for the movie was the fact that they apparently committed to killing um, Agent Coulson. And I literally, there was a good five seconds where I'm like, wow, I feel a little choked up here. Like, this is a character who has been the glue of the Marvel movie universe, and you just killed him. I, I would, if they don't find a cutesy-bootsy way to bring him back. I was going to say, man, I mean, this is a comic book universe. Could they not find some kind of technology or... Do they turn him into? They usually do that for non. They don't do that for non superheroes, right? But that was actually the biggest the problem. The of the with, world tend to die. <laughs> the biggest problem I had with the movie was okay. The rallying. Wait, the biggest problem you had with the greatest comic book movie ever. Yes, okay. I'm. A, I'm allowed to, you know, critically evaluate my art. Okay, so the biggest problem I had with it, you know, they're sitting around a table lamenting the loss of the only one of the group, if you will who helps to bring them together, but I think you still need to consider him part of the group. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, he's, he's who's normal? Everywhere. Who's normal? And right. they're lamenting the loss of it as if, okay, something like that couldn't happen. You know, I, I took a little bit of an issue with that as a dramatic construction. That, all right, a normal guy died. There were other people, I'm sure, that died in that attack. I, I don't know. That To me, that was a complete shocker. Everything else, hey, good guys went at the end. You know, uh, I did know going in, somebody dies. I did not know who the speculation had been. It would be him. But thinking how he had appeared, Pico's spoiler full. No, I know. No, I, I have. I have Pete revised scours. that over the, so over the years. Scours. I guess my question the internet for any tidbit of information. He on a workshop print he six wants, months ago. <laughs> he wants. He wants to get any. Advantage over the viewing public that he can. Listen, man. Pete once broken and said to Godzilla, after that, he's got a taste. <laughs> you know, he like, rifles through studio trash trying to get those storyboards. I pick and I choose what I what I would do. I kind of kept myself in the dark on this, except for the fact knowing somebody died. Jackie, you were going to say something. I was going to say something. What was Thor's story? Like his original movie? Because I really don't remember that at all. Thor, like, coming out? You don't remember that? Like, he being in theaters, you said? Yeah, like, I don't... If, if I recall, Thor, financially, wasn't... was probably the least successful. Thor did humongous yeah. box office yeah, well, overseas. It did $500 million total. It was, a big uh, it was bigger than Captain America, which no. also did bigger international than they expected as well. So, Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, so I don't know what I'm talking about. That's all right. Which one that. did the, the worst then? Hulk, obviously. I guess Hulk, the Hulk did about 170 domestic. Okay. Which it was within five million dollars of the Angley Hulk, and that's when they're like, 
turns out people don't really want to see a Hulk well, movie. Because by himself, you know, it's just yeah, not because compelling. the Hulk generally, right. you know, he's an anti-hero. He doesn't really have that feel-good. You know, he's always Hulk against the military or something. It's like who you root for. It's not yeah. you generally Hulk against some some bad guy. And done interesting here in that you know he was the linchpin of Loki's plan, getting him to lose it so that he could, you know, wing his way out of the flying aircraft carrier. Now, what do you guys take of the line, which was convenient, but the line where, you know, oh, I'm always angry. So it's like, oh, I all of a sudden, now all he has to do is, he's always angry, he just needs to, like, let out a little bit more, and then he's, an in, then he's an in-control Hulk, or a mostly in-control Hulk, where he's not just going to randomly... Like, the, the hero shot that they've promoted the hell out of since the Super Bowl, uh-huh. with the six of them standing in a circle. Like, he has enough control to stand there and be like, robot aliens, bad. Uh, Man in blue, uh, good. By the way, they were uh, biomechanical aliens. They well, were not thanks, Professor. Uh, completely robotic, and they were completely not organic. They Shatarans, were combinations, right? Is that what they... And that's why you're our Tony Stark. Yeah, just putting that out there. Speak English. They're they bi- just, just say they were robot men. No, because they weren't robots. <clears throat> they they had organic matter. You could see, you know, definite blood in the big uh, flying worm things. Which, interesting enough, watching through the wormhole the other day, With they Morgan said that. Freeman? Yeah, Morgan Freeman. They said that our human. It was on aliens, and he says that there is this very high possibility that if there's a planet out there, it's been around as long as we have, if not longer with intelligent life that they probably will be part technologically based so like almost like cyborgish and how we're like on our way how like, like phones like are Will an extension and, uh, phones are an extension of our mouths and like look at Gramps over my shoulder man he's got a robot making his heartbeat <laughs> like Tony Stark <laughs> like Tony Stark what's the difference one of them can fly one of them can't they're all, you know what? They're all heroes to me. Do you think any of the speaking of Tony Stark and making his heartbeat, and I just you know I'm reminded of the scene at the end, which you know, spoiler alert, where he's uh, essentially scared back to life by the Hulk. Do you think any of the Hulk gimmicks as, as funny as they were were, were cheap, like him punching Thor? <laughs> like uh, that led to about that thirty great. seconds of that laughter. Do you there. think any of them were uh, like cheap? Like cheap, cheap laughs. You have to. It's a comic book, movie. right? And right, I think like, that that backs up the like idea the that I've been talking about. There were a collection of great moments in this movie that pay off after a series of five films. Yeah. Um, you know, <clears throat> which again, as an undertaking, unprecedented. And um, I give them credit for squeezing in a number of scenes—not a number, but you know, what two or three scenes with Gwyneth Paltrow. Mm-hmm. Um, Why wasn't she wearing shoes? Yeah, like I get a okay. couple times. Yeah. I get like okay, you know, you're, you're you're hanging out. You guys are having champagne and and bullshit in here. Excuse me, I believe and, it's called champagne. And you're and you're wearing the Daisy Dukes and all. And you know, like kudos to Gwyneth Paltrow for not looking terrible for for an older <laughs> uh, chick. But at the same time, like what is that? <laughs> Not wearing any shoes inside the pen. Bigger issue Maybe it's with like the George. The, so <laughs> the George were all right, but like it was, you know, how about how about a, how wait? A, is it like a cleanliness issue you're concerned about? No, it just it just seems stupid. It just seemed like why would she not be wearing shoes? Because she's in their immaculate penthouse uh, uh, apartment that's like all super clean glass okay. and stuff. Uh, how about some socks? 
Okay, I would. Well, how about heated floor? She's how about wearing sandals. what's that? What's that? Uh, that type of heating she's called? Probably where, wearing she was wearing sandals. Where you? you have I got a back you have heating up, coils. It's, it's the biggest movie of no, the but, year. Yeah. You know, put some shoes on. Yeah, but here's the thing. It's like I understand. Like in a real world scenario, people get comfortable. Right. You kick off your shoes. You walk around your house barefoot. But we're talking about a movie here. We're talking about you know a movie with uh, designers and wardrobe people. And you know what? Put her. And she's always been portrayed in a more elegant light when they've uh, done that. You know what? Maybe they had Gwyneth Paltrow for an afternoon in between episodes of Glee and, you know, uh, whatever <laughs> else she does, which isn't much. She's these days. Polishing that Academy Award. <laughs> um, what were some other good moments here? Um, well, I think by far, if we want to rank them, I know we, we've kind of gone out of order with everything in. Speaking of good moments, I would say fewest good moments came from Thor. He, right. I don't know if it was that was he was underused, but personality-wise, he didn't seem like he had a lot of those. He didn't get a lot of the laughs. He didn't get a lot of whatever. And you know what? When you put them together, it's like Tony Stark is the snarky, you know, funny super genius. Uh, Hulk Banner was... You know the the sensitive superhero. Yeah, the, the <laughs> brooding. Right, he was. Uh, and then you know you have like the brooding, sensitive, tortured genius in uh, Bruce Banner. Like you said before, Captain America's the Boy Scout. You have the femme fatale. You have the uh, you know roguish Hawkeye in there. What part does Thor play? First, I know he's the right. demigod, whatever, but personality-wise. He doesn't bring much to the table well, that the, the other of them don't have. One he just moment with him. Does he have, like, a girlfriend or something? Natalie Portman. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's dating Natalie Portman? The, no, the character. The character. The character. Okay, that. that was her. Like Thor and Natalie Portman. <laughs> well, they're, they're not dating. Her either. name's whatever. Yeah, she's the scientist in that movie that, you know, he comes to Earth. He's, he's thrown out. He's cast out because he's headstrong. And, you know, the dad wants to teach him a lesson. And, uh, you know, he's, he's made a lesson. He, I know, but you know, just in terms of personality-wise, I don't think he... It, it's almost, it almost seems like he got kind of elbowed out of a lot of the, the scenes where they're all together because well, his personality is more... Just he's kinda, a god, man. Give him a break. I mean, there's an argument to me. There's made. only one god, and I don't think he dresses like that. <laughs> <laughs> Which... I leaned over to Pete during the movie and said, God damn, I missed the 40s because uh, it was just hysterical that, first of all, Captain America, sweet motorcycle, leather jacket, and all that right. stuff, he's still dressing like he's in the 40s. Yeah. And you know what? That was one of the great lines was when they're like, oh, you know, Agent Coulson's like, oh, we made a couple upgrades to your suit, you know, and uh, uh, Captain America's like, I thought the stars and stripes were, you know, we were kind of over that old-fashioned. It's like, you know what? Maybe we need to return to that. Maybe we, you know, in these trying times, maybe that's what we need. Right. Um, Justin, to come back to, you know, the death of Agent Coulson for a minute, and we had talked before the film about our greatest experiences with movie talkers ever. We got one. It was a self-fulfilling prophecy. We got one today. Awesome. So upon the death of Agent Coulson there, a 12-year-old boy blurted out, Justin... It might have been 12 or younger, but it was definitely a kid voice that goes, Man, that's... I believe the line was... Why ask me to do it if you're not going to... I thought you were going to get it right, okay? I believe the line was, this is some bullshit, (laughs) which is better than that's bullshit. Yeah. So there you go. Emotional emotional heart of the movie. (laughs) 
Uh, yeah. Time to wrap this up. <laughs> All right, it wraps up. Uh, we'll either endorse or not endorse the same thing. Justin, should people go see the event? Marvel's The Avengers? I would say absolutely. It's uh, a great way to start the summer blockbuster season. Jackie, what are your thoughts as an individual and a human being on whether people should see Marvel's The Avengers? I think they should, and I think that if you have children, you should leave them home and yes, see it by yourself because they are the kid behind super me was annoying. Okay, let's, <laughs> I have no about, idea what they. I have no idea what's going on. How about on. this? How about there's a squeaky chair? The kid's squeaking in the chair behind me. Tell him I stop. give you, I give you a look like six times, where I turn my head three quarters of the way. How about this? Be a member of the human race and realize my child is making a squeaky noise on opening weekend of a massive movie. Maybe I should tell my child to stop. Peter, your thoughts? Uh, loved it. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I think all told it will wind up, because of 3D and Batman, the distinction should be drawn, is not going to be released in 3D. And I think it should be noted, we did not see this in 3D. But because of that fact and the draw that they'll get, I think... The end what of the year, this will be the biggest uh, Five bucks or less. movie of the summer. It's not a huge deal. So. Ah, Pete, such wonderful right. adventures to reflect yeah. back on the you know all these all these many moons later. I actually went into the kitchen as I was listening to that, and I made myself some sliders. And um, I had my wife uh, come over every couple of minutes to check on me in case I needed anything else to really recreate the experience. Now, did she bring you complimentary muffins? She or, did not. Or, or biscuits or whatever they do there. She she did not. You know what? You should really um, like get in touch with the manager. <laughs> but I might be the manager. I'm not sure here. The, that <laughs> entire universe is imploding as we're speaking. Well, anyway, Pete, I mean, certainly uh, to me, the, the, the cornerstone of that discussion was just the fact that for all the fun that the movie is, it, 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 you know, it, it sours the sweetness a bit to have killed Coulson. And of course we didn't know at the time as no one did that, you know, Coulson was, was meant to be dead and it was not a gimmick. And, and um, you know, here we are, it's, it's, you know, this episode is dropping on Friday, September 20th. We're now, you know, what Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, four days away from agents of shield, um, returning there's obviously you know the secret is out colson lives uh they're not hiding that one but i mean unless what a he's a robot unless he's a robot that's true which i hope not well i know they plan to tease that uh for quite some time it's not as if we're going to get answers right away um but i lost my train of thought well i could pick it up and just say that it, it will absolutely serve the show so well to let that be a season one mystery. I don't know, you know, to what degree they want to say, well, is this a serial? Is this tune in each week and just have fun? Is it like a Marvel movie? You know, we said in, in the, in our, um, in our Captain America movie, how you don't need to know the Thor Tesseract stuff to get it in Captain America to understand it. You know, like, what's that line? I'm sure that it was discussed, you know, at the network level, at every level. Is it going to be lost? Are you going to turn people away in season four of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because they don't know the mythology, they don't understand this? To have the one mystery, the overarching mystery of the season, how did Coulson come back? 
that, I don't want to say good enough because it sounds like you're lowballing. That works for what I think the show wants to be, where it's going to be, you know, investigate the thing each week. And it could be a person. It could be an item, a la the item 47 one shot. It could be, you know, it could be a variety of different things, different places that they can go. Um, it can be more action oriented, more character oriented, whatever it needs to be. But to let the Colson mystery be the season one mystery, not necessarily. And then on top of it, a further mystery and a further mystery for us to kind of all freak out about and go on websites the next morning and share theories. Let it be about Colson, who we all so much love, Pete. Well, I know at least one person who knew that he wasn't dead, and that was the little boy in the theater who, in my mind, correctly explained that it was nonsense that they had quote-unquote killed Agent Coulson. So that boy knew at that day that uh, one day Coulson would live? Yes. That's what you're proposing. Wow. Well, I'm certainly, I, Pete, I feel like I can't contain my excitement. Here we are, you know, these, these you know, four days even closer. Uh, or It'll be a long go, weekend, rather. man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll just remind everybody, by the way, that we'll still have one more kind of preview type episode that, uh, that uh, surrounding Iron Man 3 that'll drop when Monday, September 23rd. So, you know, a couple days from now. And um, I'm just... Uh, I, I don't know what else I can say, Pete, other than I feel more excited, you know, today uh, than I did uh, back when we recorded the Captain America episode, which was only a couple of days ago. These are fun times, man. Can't wait. Well, with that, I will say adios to all our listeners. And Pete, I await your final word. That, I have to confess, I do not have one for this. But uh, you up for some shawarma?